Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Armor Report, where we are running a virtual hedge fund, and you've just joined us for our virtual hedge fund conference meeting on Saturday in the midst of a crypto meltdown. So what we're going to talk about today, now, I mean, those of you who know me, I'm, I'm not a crypto guy, I never have been, um, but it does affect other things we do, right? So what we do at our virtual hedge fund is we focus on equity investing. So we're going to go over what this week looked like, what it did for our portfolios, and how it changes investing going forward. We're going to get to that. But I would be completely remiss if we didn't first focus on what's happening to FTX, you know, what it means for the broader picture of risk assets, what it means for gold and silver. Okay, so what we're going to do is look at price charts, okay, because we can talk and let me tell you something, everybody seems to be talking about it, right? So we can talk all day long about what may or may not be happening, put on a little tinfoil hats and go deep and figure out that uh, um, SBF is, uh, you know, somehow attached to um, Democratic donors and all these ridiculous things. But for this show, for this hedge fund, for what you and I are doing, it's about how to manage our capital in a world that um, um, is witnessing an epic meltdown of a serious financial asset. That's what we have to talk about today because there are major conflicts going on. On the one hand, my brain is telling me, I, I got to be out of the market. I need to be holding tons of cash. I need to be long VIX. I need to be long gold and silver. We're going to talk about all that. But then when we look at algos and we look at the indexes, what a huge day, what a huge week last week was. So that's going to trip all the long equity algos telling you get long the market. So what we're going to do today is talk about how to manage risk. I call this the armor report. It stands for algorithmic risk management research. We use algorithms to execute. We focus on risk management. Then we capture alpha. Okay? So let's jump into this. Don't forget. I'm sharing with you my own personal journey. I've been managing money for over 30 years, managing my own personal capital, ran hedge funds for 10 years, um, was running my own personal capital and just, you know, a handful of my favorite relationships from over the years. And then three years ago, we started this virtual hedge fund, the Armor Report, to share with you um, all the rules of the roads we've learned over the years and, and create a community where all of you can be part of a hedge fund. Right? It doesn't matter how much capital you have. You're the portfolio manager. You're sitting on the desk right now. We're going over um, our strategy for next week. And you determine how much risk you want to take, how you want your portfolio structured. Okay? That's what we're doing. So thanks for joining me on a Saturday. Let's get to it. Let me start by saying, um, just to put this in context a little bit, I am not a guy that has ever believed in cryptocurrencies. Anybody who follows me knows that. So I'm more than happy to admit, ruefully happy, ruefully, that uh, I missed massive upside. Absolutely. They went to the moon. I didn't see that coming. I did share with you on this show 
when Bitcoin was over 60,000, that it was going to go to 30,000, and it wasn't coming anywhere close to 100,000, much less the million-dollar proclamations that were coming out at that time. Um, at 30,000, I said to you guys, this thing's going to 20,000. And the biggest reason at that point was the micro strategy problem, right? Where micro strategy had, um, at the time, and we don't know what they are now. If one of you knows the answer to this, please put it in the comment section, because I really like to know. There gotta be debt covenants and a price at which Bitcoin goes below that MicroStrategy has a serious problem. Now, if you remember, it was somewhere around 21,000. So Bitcoin went to 21,000, and then Michael Saylor came out and said, that's not true, we don't have any problems, no debt covenants, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so massive amount of debt has been raised. And I'm going down a rabbit hole here, so I'm gonna draw myself back, but massive amount of debt has been raised to buy a cryptocurrency that's imploding at some point, that company's not gonna be able to pay um, to service that debt, okay? But I don't want to get too far down that road. Let's just stay focused. I'm just trying to give you a picture of where, where I come from because it's going to couch what I'm about to say about FTX and about crypto, okay? So we got down to the $20,000 level and um, came on the show, and I said to you guys, hey, from all I'm reading, it looks like SBF, Sam Blankman-Fried, is trying to be the next J.P. Morgan, right? J.P. Morgan in 1908, crisis, banks, Morgan stepped up, took over a lot of his competitors, used his wealth to support the ecosystem, and out of that came a stronger financial uh, system, okay? Um, and so what I said to you then was, if Bitcoin could hold 20000 and this guy's for real, because at the time, remember, he said, I got billions of dollars, and I'm going to go out there and buy exchanges that are collapsing, and I'm going to consolidate. Some we're going to let go bankrupt. Others we're going to consolidate. And we're going to support this ecosystem. And so I said to you, let's watch. Price will tell us. Let's just look at Bitcoin. And if it holds that 20,000 level and, and this crypto collapse that's going on is able, you know, the biggest guys in the business would supposedly, supposedly, the big word today is supposedly, billions of dollars in assets are able to come together and support the ecosystem, hey, this will be the place to start buying Bitcoin. Um, what we've discovered now is the, that, that guy trying to pretend he's J.P. Morgan is, is actually P.T. Barnum. And maybe that's unfair to P.T. Barnum because he brought a lot of happiness to a lot of kids. <laughs> so, um, it's a circus. This guy's the ringleader and apparently running an unbelievable fraud of the level actually bigger than Bernie Madoff. All right, there it is. I said it. From everything that I'm reading, and I'm just reading what you guys are reading and parsing through everything. I've been, I've been literally doing that all morning. I mean, <laughs> I think I was up at four in the morning tweeting something out about it. I just can't can't get my mind off it because so I'm just trying to absorb all the information and the reason I care is that in the midst of this implosion we get a confirmation of the risk monitor green signal the algorithms that the armor report uses so 
I'm going to get to charts in a minute. So we're going to go look at price action and see if we can come up with what our approach should be next week. What were the armor reports doing? What were our portfolios doing at the end of the week? And then how are we going to execute next week? It's a total rabbit hole of what's going on at FTX. The more you read about it, the more insane it gets. It's writing, it's writing the movie by, I mean, it seems like fiction. Just like Bernie Madoff, all the signs were there. All the clues were there. I'm going to go out on a limb and say something, might defend some people, and I apologize. But this is the culmination of being overly woke, falling all over ourselves to be woke instead of being honest. The people in charge of Alameda Research and the people in charge of FTX simply didn't have the background to be able to manage that kind of money. These are young people. I love young people, right? I was young. We were all young. Entrepreneurs doing our thing. I love it. But the best investments in my life is when there was a young entrepreneur doing all the right things to create a company. And then when he got big enough, when she got big enough, had the sense to bring in management with knowledge who could manage a situation. I'll give you an example. The best time to own Google was not when Sergey Brin was running the company, but when he brought in Eric Schmidt, who'd already turned around many companies and had a great track record as a technology leader and knew how to run a company. Right? In that example, I can repeat over and over in time when it comes to equity investing. So you... the youth is where the innovation is. And when it gets too big for the innovator, the smart innovator brings in people to support and run the business correctly. And if you look inside what was going on at FTX, we all knew it was a joke, but nobody wants to say it. Oh, you don't want to offend anybody. That's unfair. But that's why we're here today. That's one reason. And I'm not going to go into the other reasons, okay? Because there's conspiracy theories everywhere, okay? And I, don't, I really don't want to go down that road. Let's just focus on what's happening and how it affects equity portfolios. So my first thought, and I'm going to try to keep my conversation brief this morning because I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your questions. So go ahead and fill up the comments section as I'm talking. So if you have a thought, put those comments in there. And then I'm going to get to those comments because I'm really curious what you guys are thinking about what's going on in this space. To me, this is not, not even close to being over. So now let's move, let's move on from the conspiracy or what's happening and how it's happening. Um, it's an epic collapse. The tentacles are far and wide. We don't have any idea who the next or what the next domino is that's going to fall, but trust me, it will fall. 
an implosion of this degree is bankrupting other hedge funds, other businesses, and we just don't see it yet. Anybody who lived through the financial crisis 2008 knows that, remembers that. I share this with you because this is about risk management. When we're putting capital to work in equity markets, you think, well, what's this got to do with equity markets? This is crypto. Well, because there could be large hedge funds with large crypto exposure and equity exposure that are getting melted down, okay, so their, their funds are imploding, and then they're going to be forced to sell equities to fill a gap, to fill a hole, or, or, or go bankrupt. Or, you know, these are the kind of things that happen out of events like this. I'm not fear-mongering. I'm just telling you how it is. The risks are incredibly high that other shoes are going to drop. So as a risk manager, you've got to ask yourself, how do I deal with that? For, for me, if I'm putting capital to work, I'm carrying VIX overnight. Now, I shared with you guys a few weekends back during this conversation, the, the hack we're using at our virtual hedge fund here to trade VIX. It's, it's literally making us money. We're long VIX, and we're actually getting paid to protect our portfolio overnight. We are literally getting long VIX in the last 15 minutes of the trading session, sometimes in the last three minutes. And we're selling it the following morning, starting at 8 in the morning. And we're actually getting paid on that trade. Not making a lot of money. I'm not trying to make a lot of money in that trade. I'm trying to protect an equity portfolio. You better believe I'm doing that right now. When you get an epic collapse like this, that's fraudulent. So the stories are coming out now that money is missing. This isn't just an exchange that went broke, which is kind of hard to do. It's an exchange so I'm not even sure I understand that. Anyone got a comment that you can explain to me how an exchange goes broke? But I guess the answer, do you have any other thoughts? Here's my answer. What happened was apparently they're siphoning off money from the exchange and giving it to Alameda Research. So they're taking client assets off the exchange, giving it to another part of their business, and then losing all that money. It, it's hard to wrap your head around it. It's like, so what are the ramifications? This is an unregulated business. So we see these things happen in finan normal financial markets, Bernie Madoff, whatever, banks. We see fraud all the time, Enron. You know, um, this reminds me a lot of uh, MF Global, John Corzine and MF Global, if you guys remember that. That was a commodities exchange. Remember that? At the core of all of this, and this is for you gold and silver enthusiasts, at the core of all of this is basically rehypothecation of assets where a client thinks they own something. It says that when they go online, look at their portfolio, they get a sheet of paper that says they own it, but they really don't because the exchange or the brokerage firm in the very fine print 
says that they're able to lend out that asset or do whatever they want with that asset multiple times. It's amazing to me that that's legal, but it's like a legal form of a, of a Ponzi scheme, right? You can, if you're running the business correctly and you're lending it out correctly and your the brokerage firm or the exchange is getting a return on that lending, right? And nobody rocks the boat and nobody demands their asset. It's okay. You can keep rehypothecating forever. And then there's that moment where everybody wants their asset. And MF Global goes bankrupt because they don't have the asset. They've lent it out over and over and over again. This speaks directly to gold and silver investors. We've known for decades about the reapplication problems all over precious metals. So what I want to do now is walk you through a number of chart patterns and let's see what it's telling us about how we should invest going forward. I'm going to make some assumptions. Feel free to argue with me. Put it in the comment section. You think I'm wrong. Great. Right. As an investor, we all have to make assumptions. I'm going to show you a picture that I see. I'm going to paint that picture. And it's going to, and it's going to help you understand how I'm directing the virtual hedge fund assets that I'm running. So to wrap up my thoughts on FTX, you haven't seen the end of the story. The story's going to get worse. I put up this comment for you. Um, the redemptions on Monday from every institutional vehicle that's designed for crypto investing is going to blow our minds. So we should see dramatically lower prices. The worse the story gets, and the story keeps getting worse, at this stage, everybody should be considered guilty until proven innocent. Every exchange is vulnerable. We just found out now, apparently, that FTX has been hacked and how many billions of dollars have been stolen because it was hacked. The problem with that story, for those of you who are crypto enthusiasts, is that if that's actually true, that an exchange was hacked, then that means every exchange can be hacked until proven otherwise. I don't know who would own shares of Coinbase. Who would own shares? of Silvergate. Now, of course, these companies are going to come on CNBC and they're going to put out press releases about how sound their financials are, about how much cash they have, about their cash flow, right? About how they've done things to protect themselves, about how they're distanced from FTX. These are the same protestations we heard from all of the banks in 2008. And it didn't matter. Right? Lehman went bankrupt. Bear Stearns went to $2. Citigroup. All of these stocks imploded because the belief in the financial system had been rocked. Some of those stocks imploded er erroneously. There was nothing wrong with the companies. 
But that's how the panic works, see? Even solid companies get sucked into the panic. So how do we invest capital right now in this market and manage risk at the same time? This is what's keeping me up at night, and I'll show you why. Let's go look at some charts. Let's start with the dollar. On prior weekend reviews of the Armour Report, I have been sharing with you, going back really to the, the beginning of the top right here in, in September, that there's a top forming in the dollar, that a 20% rally in the dollar is not sustainable. It's a record rally in the dollar, something you've never seen before. And quite frankly, that move was disturbing to me in and of itself. Like, it doesn't make sense. There's something going wrong in the financial system when the dollar goes up to that degree. The dollar was trading at a 20-year high. And just for you gold bugs out there, here's a fun statistic. The dollar was trading at a 20-year high. And 20 years ago, gold was trading around three to four hundred dollars a share. Let's just put it in perspective. <laughs> okay. Gold's trading above seventeen hundred. There's some value there. People who pretend that gold is a barbarous relic. I think they're gonna wake up to something different. Here's a couple of quick thoughts on crypto and let's look at Bitcoin. Look at the Bitcoin chart. Okay. Take that line off now. So what we really should do is put this line in the sand here. Okay. We'll make it red together because that's what it is. Okay. So there's, there's the beginning of a major breakdown right there. Now, I think a lot of crypto guys are hoping that this is going to reverse and immediately recapture. Okay, great. If it does, we'll move on. Okay, I think this is going a lot lower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes? Oh, great. I'm live right now on YouTube. <laughs> I'll always... I'll always take that call. That was my sister, and I love her. So I'm always taking that call from family. Thanks for bearing with me. Um, Bitcoin. There's the price, okay? I think Bitcoin's going a lot lower. So it, in the 60,000 range, came on the show, I said, it's going to 30. And one reason I said that, follow this for a minute, because you're going you're gonna to like this. If you're, if you're a crypto fan, you're going to like this, okay? Um, at the time, we had people like um, Tom Lee telling everybody it's going to be $100,000 of Bitcoin by the end of the year. Oops, that was a big mistake. And um, more importantly, not more importantly, but on top of that, there was rampant discussions on YouTube, on Twitter, that Bitcoin was going to $2 million of Bitcoin. Right? And I just said to you right then, the, the, the only person that would tell you that Bitcoin's going to two million when it's trading at sixty thousand is somebody who wants to sell you his Bitcoin. 
But the, if that person really thought it was going to two million, they wouldn't say anything. They'd just be buying all the Bitcoin they could at sixty thousand. Okay, when they start coming out with those types of reports, it's because they're pumping the asset. It's classic snake oil. Okay. What I find really interesting right now is I have a Twitter feed set up of all, you know, and in my Twitter feed is a lot of crypto because I'm curious. I'm just because I don't, just because I think crypto and I've always thought crypto is 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 a repeat of um, the tulip craze in the, what was it 1400s in in in, um, in Holland. Just because I think that, and just because I'm being proven right about that right now, doesn't mean that I don't stay connected to it because it could change. There has to be a washout. The washout's coming. The bad actors have to get destroyed. That's happening. What's interesting now is crickets. I'm getting crickets now. You don't see that guy doing a video every week that Bitcoin's going to a million dollars of Bitcoin. You don't see anybody telling you Bitcoin's going to be 100000 in a year. I mean, I don't. Not the people I follow. These guys are crickets now. All of those snake oil salesmen, all of those people making you feel stupid because you didn't own enough Bitcoin, they're packing groceries. Some of them are in the Bahamas. Who knows? Extracted enough capital from all of the lies and deceit and snake oil selling, and they've put it somewhere in Switzerland, and they're having fun. I don't know. But a lot of them are packing groceries now. They were clueless then, and they're still clueless now. Where's my next Bitcoin prediction? I think it's going to at least break 10,000. Could get a lot worse than that. At some point, and I promise we go through charts, so here we go. Some point, micro strategy breaks. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why it's still trading up here. They have a massive amount of Bitcoin on their balance sheet at higher prices, and they did, and they raised a ton of debt to buy it. How are they going to service that debt? They're going to keep having to write down the asset, write down the asset. You know, don't forget one of their complaints. They always say is, but they're only allowed to write it down. They can't write it up because of laws and rules and restrictions. Okay, um, any hope. See, these are the tentacles that you're not, maybe we're not even thinking about. You're not, I'm, not, I'm trying to think about them. any hope that there would be a change in rules, for instance, from an accounting point of view, that would allow when Bitcoin goes up for MicroStrategy to mark up the portfolio and show that on their earnings announcement. Like, this is one of the reasons why, hey, let's own this, and there'll be new rules and new regulations, and people are going to accept crypto and all this kind of stuff. Those hopes are dead. Dead. That, this is just going to prove to auditors that there's no way they can value a crypto asset on a balance sheet in, in any other way. Okay? So we're going through chart patterns now. I'm not making a price prediction of what's going to happen on Monday. I haven't the slightest idea, right? And some of these stocks are going to go up big for a day or two because they'll make announcements. They'll have, we're financially sound. There's nothing wrong with us. This, that, and the other thing. We're getting support from our backers. All of them lies. 
I'm not saying the management team are lying. They're, they're doing everything they can. You know, they've, they've built a sandcastle and the hurricane's coming and the water's coming over and they're trying to man the breach, you know, and do, do whatever they can. But this is exactly what they did in 2008, all the way down, Citigroup, all, these, all the way to $2. And the whole way there, we're fine. Our finances are fine. Press releases. We got an injection of capital. None of it matters. What should really concern anybody in this, and what really concerns me, is that it, it, at least, I mean, 2008 was a disaster, but then you had the Federal Reserve that had the ability to come in, print dollars, and just print and print and print their way out of the mess we're in. Somebody remind me, what's happening now at the Fed? What's the Fed doing right now? Oh, right. The Fed's raising rates and reducing liquidity and hasn't a care in the world what's going on in crypto. If anything, this is exactly what central banks want. Total crypto annihilation. And then out of the ashes will come central bank-backed digital currency. Yeah, there'll be blockchain, there'll be crypto, and it'll be controlled by the people you don't want controlling it. That's, that's where this is headed. And in the meantime, you know, there's this tendency, at least for me, I thought to myself, well, it's, not, it's a small part of the, it's not a huge part of the financial world, so blah, blah. It's like trillions of dollars have been lost, never to be recovered. And there's funds out there that co-mingle. We're going to find out what's happening over the coming weeks, and it's going to get uglier and uglier until the whole thing washes out. And I don't really know what that looks like. I don't know who would own MicroStrategy up here. I don't know who would own Silvergate, okay? And, of course, the stock was up in the after hours because they made some, you know, announcements of, you know, financial health and blah, blah, blah. It's an exchange. Who would own Coinbase? It's an exchange. These stocks are going a lot lower, in my opinion. Full disclosure, I own puts on all these stocks. I can't short them because they could have huge rallies. I mean, when you're on the way down to, you know, single digits, you have these massive rallies on the way down. We're going to get to the market in a second, okay? Massive rallies on the way down. So there's no way you short them because you can get your head blown off. But with some play money, some lottery tickets, I own puts. I expect these stocks to go a lot lower in the next 30 days. Certainly between, you know, between now, not 30 days, between now and the end of the year. Um, so we get back to the dollar, an epic collapse in the dollar. So let's, let's shift over now to talk about equities. I don't think I have much more to add when it comes to um, FTX and crypto, other than I think there's a lot more coming out. It's going to get a lot uglier. These assets are going a lot lower, and Bitcoin's probably going to trade at a price that none of us thought it would see again. That's, that's my opinion. And my opinion can always be wrong, but in fairness, it's been right all the way down from 60000 when I started talking about it. So, you know, for what it's worth, you know, I, was, I didn't get it on the way up. But this is just playing out exactly the way I expect on the way down. And I think it's going to get a lot worse. 
and, and hurt a lot more people because I think there's a lot of complacency. This won't end until hashtag HODL is gone. This is proving that the last thing you ever want to do with your hard-earned dollars that you're now investing, the last thing you ever want to do is hold on for dear life. The only time you should be holding on for dear life is when you're having fun on the VelociCoaster at Universal. That's it. VelociCoaster. Universal. Hashtag HODL. That's what the hashtag should be for. But in the midst of all of that, the U.S. dollar is imploding, and that's driving equity prices up. So shifting over now to armor plan of action, armor action plan. What is the armor action plan when it comes to equities? Okay, We're looking at a chart now of the S&P. The S&P put a clear bottom in, these three green bars. We talked about this. The risk monitor went green here, rallied up, had a major challenge on the Fed meeting. That's the white box. Holds above the level, even though it shook us. And then skyrockets last week. If you're unsure of why it skyrocketed last week, don't talk to me about CPI. Don't talk to me about that. The reason the market skyrocketed is this chart. The dollar collapsed. I do not believe the dollar collapsed like that because the CPI was a little bit weaker than expected. Okay? That is not the reason why the dollar is collapsing. The dollar is collapsing because, number one, is way overdone. And number two, central banks came out over the last couple months and said, we are going to cap the price of the dollar. I think they're all working together. I talked about this last week in review. When central banks want to do something, they got enough bullets to do it. I can't tell you how many people I've watched lose money because they argue with the central banks. No, no, they can't do it this time. They can't keep a top on it. Everyone loves to point to George Soros and the, and the, and the, and the British pound. Okay? What did that happen in the 1970s, 80s? What was that? You know, I mean, the world is completely different. Okay? The Fed's out there raising rates and is going to continue to aggressively raise rates. That's what the Fed said. You say to me, well, it's only 50 basis points instead of 75. Any rate increase is the wrong direction for an equity investor. Let's don't pretend it's anything else. So the Armour Action Plan, I'm having a real hard time with, I'll be honest with you. Because the algos are telling me to get along the market in an aggressive way. And my brain is telling me, this is a bear trap. Uh, excuse me, a bull trap. This is like the most obvious bull trap in history. The market's rallying because there's a concerted effort by central banks to suppress the dollar. When they're done suppressing the dollar, what happens next? I don't know. And it's almost impossible to figure out when they're going to feel like they're done. So it's very difficult for me right now to put money to work. So let's look at the algos. The armor risk monitor. I showed you where it went green. So 
an index-only portfolio that we run was 100% invested when it went green. The sell-off back down got us to raise cash, so we were a little bit less than 50% invested. Then the market skyrocketed this week, and we increased our investment again. Okay? We increased the investment again. As, and, and the reason for that, if I, get, if I divorce my brain from what's going on and just look at the algo, what it's telling us is, it's really the most bullish picture I can come up with from an algorithmic standpoint. It, it's that bullish. It's incredibly bullish. So on the one hand, we have a collapsing crypto, trillions of dollars getting lost, massive corruption, implosion. And I'm getting the most bullish algorithmic entry point I could possibly come up with. NASDAQ 100, which got taken out, got long again on you know, uh, the, uh, Thursday, Friday because of the move. Okay? So should be long the queues again. All the indexes, all eight of them, including treasuries, long, long bonds, they're all telling us to be long the market. And some of the best signals occur when then you get long. There's a test, a real ugly test. In this case, Fed, aggressive Fed. Ugly test, but you hold above the lows and then you close higher by the end of the week. That is as bullish as it can get. So how do I manage risk in a market like this? I've got to be long. So in my actively managed portfolios, which is not just a pure index only, the index only is 100% long. That's what it does. It went to less than 50% long, and by the end of the week, it's 100% long again. It's an algo, right? We just run it that way. We have a spy swing strategy. It's 150% long the market. It has been since the entry point back here. Actually, we, we had a bigger position on it. We cut it in half. Okay? Since here. It ran up. We had to cut it in half on the big down day. We, we held the half, which gives us 150% exposure. And so, boom, skyrocketed. Best performing... Actually, it's the best performing portfolio that I'm running, right? Because it's the most difficult to follow because the market was crashing on Fed Day and we still had 150% exposure. So that was a really ugly day. But by the end of the week, it's a huge week. My actively managed portfolios, where I use my brain more, are underperforming because all the, all the action going on around me and the implosion in crypto and every, all these things are telling me there's no way I should be that long, the market. The CPI number came out. My brain was like, that, 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 I can't imagine the market being up 7% at the end of the day. And the NASDAQ was. Okay. It happens. It's happened 20 times since 1971, where the, where the NASDAQ was up 7% in a day. 20 times. 16 of those times was in a bear market, meaning, meaning the market went lower after that move. Four times the market went higher. It, that move marked the bottom four times. Twice in 2009, March of 2009. Twice in March of 2020. Remind me what the Fed was doing during those periods. 
lowering rates aggressively and initiating quantitative easing, the likes of which the market had never seen before in history. In 2009, we never heard of QE. And in 2020, it was the biggest QE program in history. Right now, the Fed's raising rates, the Fed's lowering liquidity, quantitative tightening. So, what do we do? The algos don't know about that, right? The algos don't look at what the Fed's doing or anything. They just trade what they see. They just trade price movement. And sometimes I wish I could just run all my money that way. Forget it. Just run it that way. But I've got a brain. I've been doing this for too long. So I manage risk, algorithmic risk management research. I am long in my managed portfolios. We are focused on commodities. We're focused on commodities because of that dollar chart. Okay? The dollar is breaking down like this. Commodities are going a lot higher. If the dollar is just capped, just, just stop the massive uptrend. So let's say the dollar breaks down to the 200-day, goes sideways for a while. I think commodities are going berserk. They've been suppressed for so long. In, in an environment that makes no sense, gold, silver, we'll get to that in a minute. There's, there's just no way they should be this suppressed, right? We look at the supply chain. We look at the amount of, of, of gold and silver being sucked off of the exchanges. They're a powder keg to explode. So it kind of dovetails nicely that in a world of imploding crypto, I think people are going to want to own hard assets. When there's a hack going on in an exchange, people are going to want to own hard assets. And when there's the, and my question here is, there's always that lurking fear in gold and silver. Take a look at the gold and silver charts. There's always that lurk, lurking fear in gold and silver that you don't really own your gold and silver. GLD, SLV, these are ETFs. Those gold bars aren't there. Come on been rehypothecated many times. There's going to be a point in our lives where people demand their gold and silver. And what happens? Because it ain't there. And a lot of it has been sucked into Asia. So we all know that's happening. Hashtag silver squeeze. We all know that's out there. But what actually gets it to happen? Let me tell you something. It's not a bunch of people on Reddit. Okay, this isn't GameStop. Right? It's an event like an implosion in crypto where people start looking at their assets and they say, you know what? Mm, I think I actually want the asset. Could you give it to me? Right? And then people realize they can't get delivery. And then, you know, where, where do you price these assets? So when I'm building out a portfolio right now, I want exponential upside for the risk I'm taking or I don't want to put money to work. Precious metals are an example of that. And I want to do it at a level which we did. Okay, we own, we bought, this is the day we bought gold and silver. Right here. Right there, we were loading up on gold and silver. 
So we enjoyed massive up move in precious metals this week. We were not out there paying up for it because we already own it. We bought it cheap on a double bottom on gold. This is a weekly move that's beginning. I could add to it. I may add to it. We own it so cheap, I might double my position. Now, I got a good, good size position. This is just getting started. And I submit to you that it's getting started. This is silver now. Whoops. Look at silver. This is silver now. I'm going to take this off because I completed. This is a Fibonacci fan, by the way. And when you break, when you break the third Fibonacci fan line, here is an armor education for you for a second. Fibonacci fan, there's the downtrend, three trend lines. You break the third trend line, that tells you that a new trend is starting. That's where we were buying silver. Doesn't get more obvious than that. That's why I like Fibonacci fan. But look, it hasn't even started yet. So if you feel like you're late to the party, you're not even late yet. It just got started. We bought it ridiculously cheap because what we're trying to do in this market is invest in assets close to the stop where nobody cares about them. There's no FOMO. There's no nothing. But there's a powder keg building, and a match is going to light it, and we're going to make a ton of money. That match, I think, is what's going on in crypto. It helps that the dollar's collapsing. But at some point, people are going to look at rehypothecation as a problem. Institutions are going to demand their bars, and they're not going to be able to find them. And you've never seen a rush until you've seen a gold rush. And they usually rise out of the ashes of barbarous relic type of comments, which have reached a fever pitch in the midst of crypto excitement. The pendulum is swinging. You're going to want to be on it. We're also long the ETFs. Now, how do I manage risk? I'm showing you the weekly charts right now because they just speak volumes. Okay, there's GDX. Here's GDXJ. Okay, here's SILJ. Okay, these are just getting started. Now, how do I manage risk in this market? I talk about risk management all the time. I'm not buying individual stocks right now. I think risks are enormous in the market we're living in right now. So I'm focused on ETFs. I just want to get the move right. I don't want to try to guess which stock is going to work. There, I don't want to worry about a company using a rally in their price to announce a secondary. I don't want to worry about a company making a dumb acquisition. I don't want to worry about a company blowing up somehow earnings, blow-ups. I don't, I don't want to deal with all that. There's so much risk in the market right now that the best way to manage risk, in my opinion, is to focus on ETFs and get the group move right. Let me, let me tell you something. The time for me to, to buy the individual names will be when silver skyrockets like this, so SLV, the SILJ rips higher, okay? And then it builds a high tight pennant. And what I'll do up there, since I've earned the right to take the risk, because I'll have made a lot of money, 
I'll earn the right to take a risk and I'll carve out some of my profits and buy some of my favorite names at higher levels. I don't mind. Because after the first move off the bottom, the next leg of alpha will be in which stocks perform the best. But the first leg of alpha right now is just getting the group right. I'd rather own Nugget, for instance, two or three X the ETFs to give me individual stock type returns without any individual risk. Okay? I'm not doing Nugget. I'm managing my risk right now in the market. Okay? So I'm not doing leveraged ETFs. So I think this market is dangerous. But precious metals is a no-brainer investment. Let me tell you one other no-brainer investment. And then what we're going to do is get to your questions. Okay? Let's open the floor to Q&A. But um, we're long MSOS. We're long in a big way. And this is a weekly pennant that's building. We've got to be long the asset before the breakout. I'm not chasing it. These are the type of patterns I'm buying. I'm even buying some shares of MJ. Now you say, why would I buy MJ? They're not going to be a baba. The simple reason I'm buying MJ. Any benefit, any movement on the legal front here in the United States of America is going to draw interest into cannabis. There are many people who are not able to buy U.S. cannabis companies trading on other exchanges. Some of them can't even buy MSOS, depending on their brokerage account, but they can all buy MJ, right? So it, it would be a mistake, in my opinion, to just ignore MJ and the, and the Canadian names and all that. It would be a mistake because those things are going to rip higher and probably, I don't, I don't know, it depends on what the announcements are, but they may outperform for a while simply because there's a, there's a rush to get involved in cannabis, and a lot of assets can't do the other, other investments. So they just go there, even if it doesn't make sense right away. Okay? Um, doing research on, you know, uh, CGC, we built a position in canopy growth. Okay? Doing research on GrowGen. All right? I built a position in GrowGen. We're looking for ETFs that are natural resource related. This is just one example, FTRI. These are weekly charts we're looking at. Huge double bottoms, closing above the 200-day moving average, dollar breaking down. I think the alpha is going to be in commodities going forward. Here's rare earth. These are perfect double bottom setups. So we have the, the, the almost a trifecta, I think, setting up for commodity investments, which are hard assets, not necessarily in this order. You're getting a collapse in fake assets, which is what crypto is. You're, and I, I, know, I know that upsets a lot of people, but, you, and you can argue with me, and say, well, fiat currency is fake also. It may be, but that's the institution we live under that's supported by all of the people in power. So until that changes, fiat's fiat. 
crypto is an experiment to try to change the status quo. You're going up against giants, and they're stomping on you right now. Don't argue with it. Protect capital. Out of the ashes may rise a phoenix, and I might be the first one on it. So in the future, I might be buying crypto. But right now, this isn't even close to done. It's going to get worse. Protect capital. Okay? There's a trifecta forming for hard assets. You've got crypto imploding, which just makes people want to hold on to something real. Okay? You've got the dollar collapsing, which just hopefully means the top is in. There's just... There's been an unreal, unprecedented rally in the dollar, and it's over. So that can release the, the, the steam that's been building in hard assets. I think, we're going to get to your questions in a minute now. This is the last thought I have for you. Okay? So fill up the question comment section. If you like this comment, you've conversation, hit the like button, all that stuff. This is the third thing that I think people are getting really wrong. And, I, I mean, this might not... <laughs> We'll see. You can call me out on this later. I don't believe that China is the next Russia. I don't believe it. I think that Chairman Xi talked tough, did whatever he had to do to solidify his power, blah, blah, blah. He's past that now, and he's going to execute his plan of whatever growth he's trying to create. And the, I think the last thing he's going to do is uh, march into Taiwan. I just... I just think that narrative is so wrong. I think what's more likely that's going to happen, I mean, is that tail risk? Maybe. But what's more likely to happen is COVID shutdowns are going to end. A plan for economic growth is going to be created, which is a lot of spending, and a lot of natural resources are going to get sucked up when it happens. That's what's coming in 2023. It's China building its world dominance through economics, which is wildly bullish for commodities. So I have exposure to indexes. I carry VIX overnight to protect myself. I short intraday indexes against my long investments that I'm, so I've got long investments and then intraday if I need to, I have sell stops out there, and I get short to protect myself against dislocations. I put my VIX trade back on at the end of every day, which doesn't cost me anything. So why wouldn't I do it? I'm protected against insanity overnight, over the weekend. Even if it cost me something, I'd still do it. It'd be, it'd be worthwhile. Um, and I'm building into my portfolio where I see real alpha for 2023. It's commodities, commodities, commodities. And hey, by the way, cannabis is a commodity. It's a crop. Those are my thoughts. I hope you find them helpful. Let's get to your Q&A. Any questions you got, just shout them out. I threw REMX up there for you. Um, But let's get to your Q&A. All right. Um, Dennis, you think Zim... Have a nice run since Biden's meeting with CCP. Let's take a look at Zim. All right. Well, first of all, the thing about Zim that I love, and we'll look at the chart. I don't see my face. Look at Zim. 
All right, so I'm looking for stocks that are down big, right? And I can buy them close to stops that make sense. All right, that chart's a, a little too, a, a little too, but maybe not though. It looks like a pretty good pattern is forming there on Zim. Um, I'm going to start, you know, I, I like to write down these conversations. You guys always come up with good ideas and I write them down and I, and I look into them for next week. So I'm going to put Zim on the list. It's, a, it's an old favorite, as Erez would call it. It's a fallen angel. And um, that's an interesting-looking chart pattern. So i got to do some research there. Maybe a dentist will listen to the conference calls and, and get up to date on the story. Um, Dennis, I really appreciate you um, putting, that, uh, putting that message up there. And I'm glad I was able to help you protect capital because that's, that's – what I feel my number one job is, is we got, and all of us at the Virtual Hedge Fund working together for a common goal, is to protect capital first. And so I'm, I'm glad I can help you with that. Um, you're working. When people subscribe to your service, uh, are they locked prices for life, even if you increase prices? Um, they're locked for life. Um, all my insiders, at whatever level, look, I mean, I... Who knows what I'm going to do five years from now. But the way I've run the armor report, and I appreciate this question, the way I run the armor report, um, is that whenever somebody comes in and at a level that they've chosen, that's the level that they've had. True, I raise prices over time, you know, occasionally. I don't do that often. My job here at the Armour Report, really, I'm running my own money. Let's just be clear about that. And I'm having fun doing it. I run capital for other investors. I used to run a hedge fund. And I had this idea, let's, let's start a virtual hedge fund where all of you can be portfolio managers and we can work together. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I don't have to do this for a living. I'm not going to run my own money. I'm, I'm, I'm content doing that. So there are occasional price increases. We did just release Armor 2.0. So it's a brand new website. Today, we literally went live, I think it was yesterday. So today is the first day it's there for you. And I'm going to be working all weekend with the content because it's so new. You're going to see some content doesn't make sense. I have to update it. So we've just gone live. And what we're trying to do is build out our, our, um, our virtual experience where you're each, each of you that joins us, you join us understanding that you're the portfolio manager of your assets. And what you're trying to get here is access to information that's institutional quality to help you be a successful investor. You're trying to find a community that's all working together towards that goal. This is not about hot stock tips. This is not about what we can trade for a second. This is, this is not about mean stocks. This is about running real money. This is about you've worked hard for your assets and you don't want to lose them. And you want to make them grow. That's what we're doing at this community. And if that speaks to you, then armorreport.com, A-R-M-R-Report.com. It's a brand new site. Take a look at it this weekend, see if it makes sense for you. And yes, if you subscribe, that'll be your subscription price for life. So thanks for that question. I appreciate it. Um, 
Tech Monkey, hey Deb, how you doing? Buy, sell, hold PSLV. Okay. Going along with um, that last question from um, Vogus. Um, if you were an Armor Insider, you would already be long PSLV cheap. So let me just get that out there first, Deb. Okay. So what you're asking me now is, should you pay up for it? Okay, that's what you're asking me now. Let's just make sure we all understand that. Armor Insiders own it down here, and it's up big this week. Okay, having said that, I have room in my portfolio to increase my exposure. I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do it. I don't know if I want to own more of the... Of the, of the mining stocks. I don't know if I want to, you know, own more of Sprott Physical Silver. I might, you see, I might want to own more Sprott Physical. I don't, I haven't looked recently. Maybe somebody can find out the answer and drop it into the comment section or, or, or put it in the comment section right now while I'm chatting. But I imagine it's trading at a discount to NAV. And in the world we're living in right now, Sprott physical funds that are trading at a discount to NAV, I believe will trade at a premium to NAV when this is all over. Okay? So it may make sense for me to own some more. We bought it so cheap that we might add to it. But I guess what I'm looking for is two things, Deb. Either a day where there's weakness, and I want to buy the weakness. I don't want to buy the strength. So if I add to it, I'd like to see weakness, and then I come in and buy at the right location, which we'll be talking about live all day. We, the Armour Report, we run a live feed all day, so I show you what I'm doing, why I'm doing it as it's happening. And so I might be doing that on weakness one day. If it doesn't have that sell-off and it just consolidates at the higher price right around the 200-day and breaks to a new high, I'll, I'll add on the breakout. So that's how I'm going to trade or, or increase. I'm not trading my metals. I'm, I own them down here, and I, I suspect I'm going to own them for a very long time. What dollar amount do you stop at? <laughs> MSOS. I feel like I'm already in the danger zone on MSOS because how much cannabis should I own? How much cannabis should I own? I don't, I don't want to get over my skis in cannabis. I love cannabis. I think it's a great idea. I think any legislation – I know there's guys out there talking about how, well, there might be legislation, safe banking, but that won't allow for oh, – it doesn't make a difference. Let's don't split hairs. Any movement in the regulation category is bullish for these stocks, period, full stop. Don't overthink it. But I'm a risk manager, and so I'm, I'm not going to tell you, Doug, what percentage of my portfolio is long cannabis, okay? I'm not going to share that right now on, on, uh, on YouTube. But suffice it to say, I will be a guy who adds to my position when the news hits the wire. I don't care if they're up 100%. 
So I'm putting enough capital to work down here to be up huge that day. And I'm saying even on that day, they're going so much higher. People don't even realize it. People are so destroyed in these stocks. People are so convinced that these companies are done. People are so convinced that politicians are going to screw it up that when politicians finally start to get it right, I don't, people won't be able to wrap their head around it. And the, and the stocks will pop, and then there's so much overhead supply. People who are trapped in these stocks, they'll dump on the news. And I'll be the guy adding to it because we didn't lose any money on the way down, and we're buying it right near the lows. By the way, we were on the conference call. of um, I was doing some work. I want to give a shout-out to Chad on this, an Armor Insider, a long-term Armor Insider. We made a lot of money on Grow Generation together. It was one of the first things he and I did together at the Arm Report. Okay, we owned calls on GrowGen at three dollars three 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 dollars and seventy cents. Okay, and um, and uh, this was 2019, I think. Um, so we had calls on on GrowGen at three dollars and seventy something cents, and then we doubled our position. We actually bought shares at six bucks. Remember, they announced if you guys have been doing this long enough, you'll remember. I know. Um, Deb, you might remember, I know uh, um, uh, those of you out there who are serious uh, cannabis investors will remember this. They, they uh, did a secondary offering with Oppenheimer. And I said to you guys that day, oh, we got to own the offering, right? Because nobody knew what GrowGen was. And now they're on the map with Oppenheimer doing the underwriting. That's brilliant. And the stock went to the moon, Okay. And the stock ran into the 20s, and I sold it in the 20s, even though it went to the 50s. I sold it in the 20s, full disclosure, because I can't stand the management team. And so I went and uh, Chad said to me, shouldn't we be looking at this thing again? And I was like, God, I, I can't stand the management team. I can't do it. He said, but look at the price. It's trading below six bucks where we originally started making all this money. And he made a good point, which was when the stock's trading in the 20s, the management team's a problem for me. When it's trading sub six bucks, it's not a problem for me. The reason they're, that they're a problem is they're, when it goes to 20, they start selling all of their stock, right? They're, they're insiders. It pops. They dump on the market. They do secondary offerings for selling shareholders. They do all the wrong things. So, you know, anyway. But he said to me, Brett, let's, shouldn't we do this? So we all went uh, during the live feed, and we listened together to the conference call, and, and, and the most recent conference call. And it's it reminds me it's a very good you all should do it because it's not even if you don't want to own Grogen, it it tells you where this what the state of the cannabis business is in the US. And that's the most important part of that call. For Armor Insiders, the new website, you can go um, to armorreport.com and you can go to the um, research section, right? So whenever we listen to a call, I write for you all the comments that matter to me having listened to hundreds of thousands of calls over the years, I tell you what, what I think really matters. And you can go now to this part of our website. It's one of the reasons why we came out with Armor 2.0. I think it's lots of fun. Um, we made it a dynamic research page. You can put the, uh, a symbol in and search for everything I've ever written about Brogen. And boom, it'll pop out <coughs> all the things that we wrote about yesterday and give you an idea of what that conference call meant to me. So anyway, um, what dollar amount I stop adding the memo. So I can't tell, I, I don't know, I, I can't tell you how to run your own, your own money. So um, 
I never would deign to tell you how much you should put in or where, where, you know, where you should stop buying it. Um, and, and we don't know what the stories are. So as the stories come out, you know, but I need, I need my position in down here. And then when it skyrockets, I'm going to figure out what I want to do next. Do I like Telray? Well, like I said to you, I bought some shares of um, MJ, which obviously owns Telray. Um, I don't want to own a whole bunch of the Canadian companies. I do own Canopy Growth. I bought Canopy Growth because um, I like what they're doing. I think by the, I think they're going to be the first Canadian mover here in the U.S. and it's almost like a quasi U.S. MSO. Um, and I'm not worried about the exchanges fighting what they're doing, because by the time that is resolved, I would expect um, some type of legislation that makes that whole argument moot. So CGC is my Canadian pick. Um, nothing wrong with Telray, but for my money, I don't want to buy a whole bunch of individual names right now. So I'm really focused. I, I bought some MJ to give me exposure to a bunch of them, and then um, I'm, not, I'm not adding that. But, I, I mean, the chart looks great. Obviously, look at the chart. Um, look, at, look at the chart. See, this is Telray's chart. It looks great. I mean, it looks just like, when I say it looks great, it's coming off of a bottom, right? It looks just like Canopy. And actually, and this is why I bought some MJ, because look at Canopy, look at Telray. The Canadian stocks are already above the high of the Biden administration announcement date. The U.S. stocks aren't yet. Look at MSOS. So what's happening is money is being funneled into. See, this was the announcement day. Granted, it was a bigger move up, but this was the announcement day. And MSOS is not above that high yet. Now, there are some uh, names inside of MSOS that are. Um, let's take a look. I think, um, you know, I personally own my, my favorite five names. So I, I own some shares of. On the pure exchange, I own some Cresco. I own some Cura Leaf, which is about to take out the high if we're lucky there. Um, I own some um, Verano. And don't forget, of course, I own True Leaf, which is actually underperforming a little bit. And uh, I own some Green Thumb. Okay? So I own the top five names there. So um, own physical, Swamp Gaming, own physical. Um, I have vetted the process, and I believe in Sprott, and I do think that the Sprott physical funds have the assets in the vault. I hope I'm right about that. You know, they get audited four times a year. If you own Sprott physical um, shares for 12 months and you go long-term on it, you can – request delivery of your bars. So it trades at a discount to NAV. It's the way I'm doing it right now. Um, I do own some coins. I have them in a, you know, I bought those coins a long time ago. So, but I'm not, I'm not out there uh, buying physical itself. I'm buying Sprott physical, which, you know, leads me to wonder, you know, do I want to own shares of Sprott, um, uh, Sprott Financial Asset you know, Management Company down here. I probably do. Okay, because if money is going to come into um, these types of funds aggressively, then obviously the, the earnings revenue of Sprott as a management company should go through the roof. 
and I wonder if, if the breakout here should be bought um, if it comes across these tops. It's a thin stock, so I haven't really gone after it, but I'm thinking about it. Oh, Bogus, I hope to see you on the desk, Bogus. It'd be lots of fun to work together. How bullish are you on your rating? Oh, hey, hey, McGems, I really appreciate you bringing that up. I totally forgot. I showed you REMX. I showed you FTRI. Um, we do own shares of Sprott um, uh, Uranium, okay? So I'm glad you brought that up. And, and it, it looks great to me. Sprott Uranium looks like something should be bought. Maybe better than you know, some of the other um, patterns. Look, look at this pattern. This is just a you know basic you know to me pennant formation and it's maybe that's not the best way to draw that maybe it's a little bit more like this look at that ooh that looks good so I really like um, I like the uranium story rare earth uranium natural resources precious metals and cannabis those are the five places I'm putting money right now. So thanks for asking me that question. Do subscribers to your virtual hedge fund need to attend every day? Was there flexibility? No, 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 no. Deb, I, again, I appreciate the question. You, this is for you to be at the desk whenever you want. I'm live all day. And I would say that there's a, a number. We have a core of armor insiders who are traders with me, and they're on all day. Okay? There are many that come in first thing in the morning, then they got to go to work, then they come in before the close. There are many that come at lunchtime to see what we're talking about, right? And you can ask me questions. Hey, I've been off the desk. What do you got for me? What's happening? How is the portfolio changing? What's at the, what's at the top of our whiteboard that we might add at the end of the day? So it's, it's a, it's a um, virtual hedge fund live all day for your convenience. And you come in and use it when you need to when you want to, okay? I like to say that Armor Insiders bring a lot of quality information into the room as well. So it's not just my comments that you'd be looking for. We have specific insiders that cover different sectors of the market. I would say Ares has been all over energy and correct all year. Um, the Silver Fox happens to be a huge precious metals investor and is just does deep dives that are quality information. Full disclosure, Silver Fox is my dad. Okay. So he's in there doing that. I mean, we've got, you know, a lot of information flows and um, uh, Armor Insiders use it as they see fit. Okay. Hey, Stephen, how are you, man? Market price. Oh, thank you, Stephen. Stephen's given us the um, uh, discount to NAV. Oh, I appreciate that, Stephen. Um, on a Sprott Physical Silver, I think that is. So stock, the discount's three. I can't believe it's discounted at 3.5% Sprott Physical Silver. You know, what does that mean? The, 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 so, I, by the way, I believe it'll go to a premium before this is all over. I don't know when that is. And, and again, full disclosure, I've thought that for years now, and it hasn't happened. Okay? So I think at some point it goes to a premium when there's demand for physical. And I submit to you that the match that lights that demand could be the implosion in crypto. I don't know if I'm going to be right. It's impossible to time that. But it is out there. And, and 
what will happen first is that three and a half percent will go away. It'll go. I've seen it go to nothing. I've seen the premium, the discount go to nothing. So I, I can't believe it's three and a half percent. I mean, geez, Deb, that goes back to your question. Can you buy it up here? I mean, that three and a half percent should close. Um, wow, three and a half percent discount. That's amazing. Lena, oh, Lena, Lena, I'm so glad you brought that up. Okay, so we do own biotech. Why would I own biotech? It's a nod to what's happening in the NASDAQ 100. It's not a commodity. It's not a commodity. It's biotech. I don't want to own the NASDAQ 100 because I don't want all of the big cap tech stocks that are imploding right now. I think it's only going to get worse. But when I go look inside the NASDAQ 100, biotech is just, it just looks perfectly priced to me. And it's been outperforming for a while now. So there's relative strength there. And so um, here's the, the, the biotech. And I honestly, I split it into, um, Lena, these two. I bought both of these. So I bought IBB, which is a you know, heavier weighted towards the big cap names. And just to give you an idea, I mean, the, the largest investment is Gilead. Okay, Gilead is going through the roof. It's the largest investment in IBB. Okay, so you're getting some of the, the biggest names overweighted. And that looks just like a phenomenal chart to me as it breaks above all the moving averages and it's outperforming the NASDAQ 100 in a major way. It's even outperforming the S&P. So there's some leadership going on there. And I also bought XBI, which is, is a different pattern. You can see that it's lagging behind IBB. It's a broader base without overweighting the big names. But I think there could be some catch-up that goes on there. So I bought XBI. Now, you're asking me about ARK, A-R-K-G. Genomic Revolution. And... I'm going, to, I'm going to say something here. I'm going to say something now. Um, in the midst of this epic collapse in crypto, I'm not sure I can trust Kathy Wood. I, I don't want any of her funds right now. I'd rather put together my own genomic revolution and buy the stocks that I think are great. This woman is still calling for million-dollar Bitcoin. I mean, I just, I just don't want to be involved in any of her funds. I don't know what's going on there. I don't want to be involved in any of her funds. I'm not suggesting something nefarious. I'm not saying she's stealing from here to make up over there. I'm not saying that. I, don't, I would never say that. I don't know that. I'm just saying there's something really wrong going on in crypto, and she's loaded to the gills. I don't want to touch anything that has to do with ARC at all. And to make matters worse, you know, one of her favorite and biggest investments is looking like this. I mean, this looks like it's about to fall off a cliff. I just, I don't want to touch anything that has to do with, with Kathy Wood.
Oh, at what price per share? Okay, Deb, I see your question now. What price per share would I stop adding of MSOS? Um, yeah, and, and again, I, I'll just wrap up, and maybe this is our last question we'll take, unless you have anything else you guys want to go over. We've been talking for a while. I'm tired, so let's wrap it up. But um, I can't put a price on that, Deb, because you'd have to tell me first, what's the news What's the, is it reclassification? Is it declassification? Is it just safe banking? I mean, what, what is it that's, that's going to happen? You know, if you told me it was declassification, I might pay $50 for it. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I own a lot of it down here. They make it a fortune, and I might build my empire on cannabis if it was declassified. You see what I'm saying? I mean, obviously, I'm joking. I, I wouldn't pay 54 But you, 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 I, I think these stocks can go up multiples from these prices if we get movement, you know, on the, on the legislation front in any meaningful way. Hey, P.S., Better say this. Let's be sure we're all clear. A lot of risk involved. If they continue to fumble, fumble the ball and they decide to do nothing, these stocks are going to crater and I'm going to lose money. So let's don't forget that. Right? So there's still risk out there. I won't put all my money to work. The news is going to come out. I'm going to see what the news is, what I think about it, and then I'm going to decide what I'm willing to pay for it. And I don't know what that number is going to be, but I guarantee you I'll be talking about it just like this when it's happening live. So Armor Insiders, we're all going to get together, put our heads together and figure out what is this thing worth based on that piece of news. And that's the benefit of being part of a virtual hedge fund because we're, we're all portfolio managers working together and we're going to get into a conference room virtual and say, okay, here's the news. What can we pay for this thing? What's too much? What's crazy? What makes sense? Get a consensus. Boom. And then we all go do our own thing. I mean, I still, consensus could be X and I could be higher for it. I don't know. But um, we'll, we'll all be talking it out together. And I think that's the power and the reason why I started the virtual hedge fund, quite frankly, is to give individual investors that kind of power that institutional hedge funds have. That's precisely what hedge funds do. You know? So we all can do it together. Hey, let me tell you something. Just because, just because somebody got an MBA from Wharton doesn't make them more intelligent than you. It, doesn't make, it just means they... They focus on a particular area and they know how to break down balance sheets and income statements. But you've got real life experience. And that real life experience trumps the MBA when it comes to investing. You just have to understand how to unlock it. Example, Armor Insider, Joey runs car dealerships, told us early we had to be shorting Carvana like crazy. He was right. The information was Brilliant. That's just one example. That's what this virtual hedge fund is all about. Um, do you connect on? No, the virtual hedge fund literally is just like this, um, Deb. I, I run this YouTube live feed, but it's private, and I only share it in our Slack room. So Armor Insiders have access to the website. Um, which you can see at armorreport.com, armrreport.com. You can see what's on the website. And then during the trading session, you're going to have open a screen that is Slack. So we have a Slack room where I'm writing information because some guys can't watch all day. 
but they want to understand what I'm doing, want to see the information other insiders are bringing to the room. So you're part of the Slack room, and you can see that happening, all the information flows. But if you're able to participate like this, you just click on the link. It's right in Slack. I put it up first thing in the morning. Boom, we have our morning meeting. That starts at 8.30. It's just like this. It's just unlisted. So it's not, it's not for the YouTube audience. It's just for Armour Insiders. And then at 9.25, we start the live desk. And we'll do that to 4.30. Sometimes we go to 6, depending on what's going on. If there's a whole bunch of earnings announcements and we're long in investment, we want to watch what's happening. Sometimes we stay on live. It just depends on, um, on what's happening. So anyway, that's how it works. Uh, Michelle, Michelle Rosenthal, my sister and chief operating officer of the Armour Report. All right, guys, listen, this has been lots of fun. I appreciate you all spending time with me. I hope it helps. I'll see you all next week, Armour Insiders, 8.30, Monday morning. We'll get our day started. All right, everybody have a great weekend. Better relax because it's only going to get more crazy. <laughs> Take care.